continue our daily Bible reading a little bit later in the afternoon, about 3 o'clock on Tuesday, on Shrove Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday. And we are in the one chapter book of Jude, right before Revelation in the New Testament of your scripture. So we've done 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We've done Jude. Um, looking at those short epistles, those are good primers for us going into Lent as we think again about what we say we believe about God and what Jesus Christ said and who he is, his person, his work, uh, and all that, and what that message is that goes out from him. So here we go to Jude um, for today on this Tuesday. Now, Jude is a great example of just how much scrutiny we put the Word of God to, that we don't just find any old manuscript out there and say, hey, that belongs in the Bible. Great scrutiny is placed on it, and here's another of the reasons why we did it with this one. I'm reading in my commentary that says Luther himself didn't think that this really belonged in Scripture. He didn't think that there was enough um, support of it, um, and others of his time thought the same thing. There are still others today who would say the same thing about it, and here's why. Um, because it seems like it, it uh, kind of is a repeat of things we've had in Second Peter. Now, if you go back to Second Peter chapter 2, it's a, it's a chapter definitely about false prophets and false teachers and a warning about them. Although you can say that many other places in Scripture, Paul warned about false teachers and those who would, who would uh, bring up a, a new message or a different gospel, uh, put small g quotes around it. So it's not unusual. The other reason why is because we don't find the name of Jude any other place in Scripture. Uh, Jude says as he starts out, this is, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Well, if that's the brother of James, or if he's James who writes the, the epistle of James in the New Testament, who was a brother of Jesus himself, so a different James than James and John, who we read about in the book of Acts about a leader in the church, then that means that Jude is claiming to be also a brother, a half-brother of Jesus Christ himself. Now, he calls himself a servant, but that's not unusual to hear that because he would be both. If, he, if he's serving Jesus Christ, he's a leader, then that's going to be the case there. But I bring that up to you because it says two things. Number one, what I just said, Every book of the Bible that's in your English Bible has been scrutinized by many scholars to say, does this belong there? We don't just willy-nilly pick up a book. Secondly, it also acknowledges the fact that there were many others who wrote false books claiming to teach us something about Jesus Christ, kind of fill in some blanks. If you remember in the Gospels, Gospels tell us a lot about Jesus' birth, then a big break from that time between his birth and then at 30 years of age when he starts his ministry. So there are many other books out there. You may be hearing the news every once in a while. We found a, you know, a Gospel of Judas or a Gospel of Thomas or something like that. Uh, but when you hold those to the scrutiny that the rest of Scripture has been held to, there's not the manuscript support. There aren't as many copies of Scripture or manuscripts of that. Plus, it, it, it contradicts what others do. So again, it shows you both of those things. But for me, and I think for you too, it ought to reassure you that these 66 books that you have in your English Bible have definitely been scrutinized, and, um, and they, they, they belong there. Uh, they, they stand up to the test, and they continue to. So, but let's go to this. So let's read it as we, as we believe it to be. Um, written by Jude, a brother of James, so a half-brother of Jesus too, and he's reaching out to the church, warning them about what's going to happen coming down the line uh, with false teachers coming in. So two things about that. Number one, 
one of the groups of false teachers that came along is a group called the Gnostics. Now, that's a name that starts with the letter G because Gnosis in Greek means to know. And the Gnostics were a group of people who said, you know what, I know you read about read the Bible um, and you read about who Jesus is, but we know more. It's kind of this thing that, that says we just know more than everybody else knows. And so we're going to fill you in. And they started making up stories about Jesus. And the Gnostics in the end ended up denying that Jesus really was the Son of God. They said he's just a good teacher, all of that, and they they claim to have knowledge and and to just uh, you know to to uh, uh, contradict the rest of what Scripture says. The other thing we notice, and Paul picks up on this a lot in the epistles, in his epistles, is that there were those that said, "Well, now that Jesus Christ has won your forgiveness, you are free to sin it up. You can keep sinning." Check out Romans six verse one, where Paul says. How can we, who have been forgiven by God, keep on sinning um, as if to say, well, let's, let's give God a chance to show even more grace or, or make, it, make himself look even better. We'll just keep sinning it up. And so they preach this freedom, I put in quotes, this freedom gospel that sometimes, I remember the old translations, like in, in the um, uh, King James loved to use this word, Paul warned against licentiousness, or see that word license in there? So basically the teaching that said, well, now that Jesus has died for you, you won forgiveness, you have a license to do whatever you want to, because you, you, you got forgiveness. Jesus won forgiveness for you. So it was a half-truth about uh, that forgiveness. Yes, Jesus has died and paid the price for every single one of your sins, past, present, and future. But that does not give us license to live however we want. Why would we want to do that? Jesus said, you will know a person, you will know their faith by their fruits. And the fruits are things like goodness and gentleness and kindness and love and self-control uh, and, and things like that. So he writes to warn them about these false teachers that are that are come amongst them. Notice he calls them beloved, so that's a familiar word in the rest of the uh, letters. And um, and he talks about those um, who uh, contend. Uh, he he uh, reminds them then, you need to contend for the faith. You need to be well versed in the word, i.e., you need to do, be doing exactly what you are right now. Because some are going to come in and, and and bring up teachings, and and I'm a little concerned, and and I don't want to get into the whole topic here. But in the Super Bowl, we had a number of ads during the Super Bowl uh, that talked about, you know, Jesus didn't teach hate. Um, partially true that that is true um, and then the other one with the foot washing example there um, there's there's truth to that um, but I'm afraid it pulls away from the from the the rest of the truth that scripture teaches like Jesus said every single one of us is a hater and every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God and all, they were only saved by the grace of God in Christ Jesus that kind of stuff tends to kind of separate us and say well we're the good people because we wash feet and and all this kind of stuff but but it's something we need to I, so how do we contend with that? We need to be in the word. We need to read the truth uh, in the word of God. I'm thinking about John 3, 16, you know, for God so loved the world. And then verse 17 says, for Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. And you might add there, not at that time. But one time Jesus is coming back to condemn those who don't believe in him, who don't have faith in him, who followed their own way. Kind of like what, what Jude is talking about here, who just said, we're going to go our own way. And Jude, in the rest of this book, says the very same thing. Notice in verse 5, he says, this Jesus, he says, I want to remind you that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, he saved them there. Also afterwards, when these people turned away from him and turned away from his teaching and putting their faith in him, he also destroyed them. 
and he gives other examples that come along the way there too. You can check those out in, in, in your Bible. There's some of them you know about already, like Sodom and Gomorrah and things like that. And what's it look like? Well, he says in verse 8, what we need to be aware of is those who rely on their own dreams, like I know more, I'm, I'm smarter. They defile their flesh. They, they do things with their bodies and with their lives that defile them. They reject authority. There's a big one. The authority of the word of God, the authority of who God is to set right and wrong. They blaspheme. They make fun of the name of God, um, and uh, and then uh, and he gives us other examples of that too. Kind of interesting note in verse nine, he talks about Michael, the archangel, who contended with the devil for the the body of Moses. Now that comes from in another document uh, that we found later on called the Assumption of Moses. But the point being is that Michael, being an angel, didn't blaspheme and uh, contend for that body by himself. He did it in the name of Jesus Christ. And there are many of the examples that he brings up right there. So verse 17, he says, what do we need to do? Um, we need to uh, 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 hold on to the predictions of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what the apostles, i.e. Matthew, John, Paul, and others, uh, um, and, and even Mark and Luke too, uh, wrote, about, uh, wrote for us about Jesus Christ. Find your truth right there. Um, verse 20, build each other up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit for God's grace to hold you up in that faith. And then he ends, though, with a word of great hope. He says, now to him, to God, who is able to keep you blameless from, keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. In other words, God is going to help us to stay strong in that faith. We just need to keep trusting in him and putting our faith in him and be in his word and hear that word. Um, and and uh, remember that the gifts that we've been given in our baptism and the Lord's Supper and in the word and hold strong to that faith. Um, short book, but uh, almost 10 minutes of commentary there. God bless you as you read.